Hi, Greg. Hey, Ron. So, Ron, the year is 1989. How old are you in 1989? I am a whopping five years old in 89. So, this is 1989. This is just before... This is a year before the world is introduced to Ninja Turtles, right? Yep. And, and a young Tim Burton, who has uh, not even directed Edward Scissorhands yet. Such a baby. Introduces us to something that will forever mar modern film ron i'm talking about the batman origin story mm. the much maligned and like well deserved in criticism uh, of one of the most overplayed tropes in the the history of modern cinema for sure I am scared, even talking about it in this episode, that even having brought it up, we might be interrupted at some point with a Batman origin story. <laughs> uh, we'll it... And it'll be like, boom, Bruce Wayne's parents are killed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It's, it's, it's bound it to happen. Yeah, but I mean, look at look at uh, Batman v Superman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> absolutely no place there. Boom! Let's shoot that fucker in. Yep, yep, and right off the bat, as well. Um... So, seeing as we are in agreement that the Batman origin story is probably the worst sin of DC movies of which there are a lot. Let's figure out which one's the best. Because <laughs> there can only be one. There can only sure. be one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what do you got? We got to think about this, okay? You start out in 89, and you got the first real, I guess, I'll, I'll call it modern telling, right, of the Batman origin story. Mm -hmm. You've got... At, uh, at least as far as movies are concerned, right? There there have been... There was obviously the campy TV show, which didn't go into any of that, right? But Batman well, has been around in, yeah, in comics. Actually, we're good, right? But no, we're going to stick to movies because inevitably uh, Batman movies and by extension everything else in DC related to a movie sucks. <laughs> well, okay, okay. And I, I, I do, I do want to dive into this a little bit deeper. And, and we are definitely, we're going to break down and we're going to review the, the different scenes. However, one of the like tangents that kind of started going off in my mind was, and, and this is one of the things of, about this origin story as we get going along with it that we'll kind of touch on. But one of the things, and I, I think concentrating on the movies in particular is such an interesting facet of today's culture because we talked in a previous episode about a lot of the, the different franchises that, that are out there <clears throat> and you know, whether it's Indiana Jones or transformers or like all of these other things that are trying that, you know, I've tried to do their series and build this, this universe. Right. You have the the steaming pile of dog shit that is the attempt that DC made at an extended universe, right? 
but yeah. then on on the other hand you have the golden child right which without even having to say you know exactly what it is right but one of the things that i find so <coughs> fascinating about the um about the marvel movies is their ability to not only take these B-list and C-list shit comic characters, right? Like, let's be honest. Iron Man was no powerhouse as as far as the comics go, right? Um, but ended up being the complete anchor um, to the first 10, 11 years of this Marvel Universe. Um, but whether it's with him... Um, or, or anybody else within, within the movie sphere, right? Any sort of origin story, it may be similar in a lot of ways to the comics, but updated for our times. And they don't have a problem tweaking, you know, taking large parts of of what have been in the comics before but like tweaking them to be screen friendly or to be 21st century friendly right they they're they allow the writers to expand off where i feel like dc and and where this ties back into the batman origin story because, again, <clears throat> there's also some parallels with Superman and even to an extent with the Wonder Woman movie, right? Where they want to stay so core to the, the, the origin story that is established that you end up seeing that Batman origin story five times in the movies once on a live-action television show, how many countless times in variations of cartoons that have happened over time, you know, both, like, the animated series and cartoon movies, right? And then there's the Batman video games, and you've got origin stories in those, and it, it's... But yet, the, the like, it always plays out the same, right? And... Right. The pearls go flying, and Bruce cries like a little bitch. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, the, the the gun extends out. Usually there's some sort of, you know, it's a foggy, misty night, or there's steam coming up from the sewers or whatever it is, right? And you have the ominous figure, and it's... The... The outcome... <clears throat> I mean, all of it is the same, and the outcome is obviously the same, because otherwise it wouldn't be Bruce Wayne, it wouldn't be Batman, right? Like, I'm not saying you have an alternate reality where, you know, Dad gets shot in the leg and Martha ends up running Bruce down into another side of the alley and they all end up being okay, and you still get Batman, but the fact that it has to be shoehorned in... And um, they, it just feels so unnecessary. So unnecessary. I so anyway, that, that's, that's my preamble. Uh, I, don't, I don't care. How do you want to do you want? Do you want to go through these in order and then and then rate them at the end? I'm, I'm leaving it up to you tonight. We're going to go. We're going to go chronological on these. OK, Good. so we're going to start out. We're going to start out with eighty nine. Okay. Yep. You start out, and of course, everything in this one is a flashback, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Keaton staring at the Bat computer, which is really just a bunch of TVs, playing <laughs> the Joker's face, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It's all. It's a bunch on, of TVs on a, on a VCR. And then, for some reason, <laughs> he decides to look at a newspaper. Of the day his parents died. 
Oh, yeah. Now, I will tell you, it's been a long time since I've seen this movie, um, and I should revisit it. Mm-hmm. But why do, do you just keep that around to make yourself feel bad? Mm-hmm. Is, that's, the, I think, the only purpose of that being around at this point. Well, the killer's still out there, right? Um, in, in this version of, of the origin story, which, if I remember correctly, um, it, it was at least the first time in any sort of, um, live action or televised, like, version where the Joker was given a name, right? He was Jack Napier, and he worked for the mob, and he had this this transformation, right? But previously, he had just been the Joker, and he had been maniacal. And here, he was actually given a name and a backstory, and it turns out, spoiler alert, that he was the one who killed Bruce's parents. Now, for a 1989 Tim Burton movie, that's a decent decent twist. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you go on, right? And so they leave the theater, and they're walking down the alley, and then, boom, here comes uh, some guy cosplaying as Jack Nicholson. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't know who the actor is. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he's someone uh, or not, because no one cares. But I'm going to give, I'm going to give Burton probably, uh, probably a solid eight out of 10 on the casting of that guy. You You know, he, I, I think so. His mouth did a good job of, of contorting. uh, His his mouth certainly did. The, The other thing that always stood out to me was the arched eyebrows. You know, Jack Nicholson has those like really pointed maniacal kind of eyebrows that like when he gives the smile you know you immediately like even even by 1989 he'd give that smile and you still think of the shining right like just that you know that grin and uh so i you know i i gotta give him i i have to give props on that casting so you've got you've got cosplayer Jack Nicholson, and then and then okay. So now we've well because we've re- and well th- this is this is a part of the the unraveling and the twist with with Burton's reveal, right? True. Because just to get back up to speed, and it, it's been a, a while since I've seen this before, right? But earlier in the movie, Bruce gets the the police report. On Jack Napier, right? And you start to think that something is up. And and Bruce kind of starts to think about it through his head. You know, he's, you know, got these priors, nothing that could ever really stick, you know, all that kind of stuff, whatever. But it it then leads into this flashback because you still don't know that he's the culprit, right? Until you're you're in the flashback. And the by, reveal- by all accounts, he did not age well. By <laughs> by all accounts, he didn't, you know. But uh, you know, arguably, you know, Keaton Keaton's not the youngest Batman ever, as we'll get into um, other movies in the future. He's not the oldest Batman either. But you know, he's kind of right in the middle of the pack. So it, you know, if you take him to be kind of like a you know, a mid thirties ish guy, you know, 25 years, maybe 25, 30 years, depending on what the age of young Bruce is that, have, that has passed since then, you know? Well, that's the other thing. And, and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Uh, but so now we've, we've passed the first act of the origin story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really, it should be a three-act, but it's, it's always kind of a two-act, right? You've got his parents get killed, 
And then you have to have him discovering the Batcave as well. Mm, mm. Which is which is interesting because in in this part of the origin, the, this is actually broken apart between uh, this movie and the next one that we'll get to. Well, it is covered a bit in in this one. I mean, uh, if if you remember, um, short just after his flashback, Alfred comes in with his girlfriend, right? Um, and why the hell Alfred is bringing her into the Batcave is beyond me, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. my butler and it's your job to keep people out of the damn Batcave, but he brings her into the Batcave, and they talk. And then he has to explain to her, you know, that he's Batman and and everything that, you know, like, I can't love you because I'm Batman and blah, blah, blah. I'm in the Batcave. Um, And you're right. I mean, most of it is uh, covered in the next movie, uh, that Finding the Batcave piece, which uh, I think seeing after seeing how later iterations of this play out it's kind of nice to have it broken that way yeah yeah because and, if if i was gonna take this particular one um and the the one i guess uh i guess batman batman begins Batman Begins is a lot more drawn out. We'll we'll get to that one, but you know the the way that I would <clears throat> break up the Wayne death in general, I I could easily break that into three parts. Um, you know, actually, maybe maybe that one and the 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 2016 one, the you know. Part part one is uh, the theater, right? There's there's got to be something about the theater. You've got to have that establishment of everybody's so happy and we're together as a family and impending doom is on the horizon, right? Because we all know what's coming. Act two is the 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 confrontation and the struggle. Right in in most cases, um, in in most cases, there's some sort of struggle between whomever it is and Thomas Wayne. Right, he's the noble last effort of a doomed man trying to save save his family. Right, and then Act Three to me would be the aftermath. Right, there. You know, you you go from Act One, where you know innocent child, happy family, to just seeing his parents gunned down, and now you're dealing with a destroyed Bruce Wayne, right? I think I've always kind of thought about it slightly differently. I've always thought of Act One as being the theater and the actual murder together right Mm -hmm. act one uh the murder is the closing of act one right Mm -hmm. we've got the discovery of the bat cave as act two okay you skip act three and he's 30 (laughs) which is Uh... one of my my biggest pet peeves about if you're going to tell an origin story tell the origin Mm -hmm. uh you know and and don't just skip ahead you know 20 years uh and and give me you know uh this this guy that's that's already batman and and fighting crime or is i guess in this case just coming out as fighting crime at 30 i don't know why but um it's better than the bat credit card which is uh incidentally the sponsor of this episode uh, you saw bad credit card. Don't leave the cave without it. Yeah. Uh, but enough about my name with Herman. 
But that really, that's, that's it for this one, right? I, I mean, that, sure. that's kind so, of what you get. But, the, but you do get the, the nice draw-in, right, of, of the Joker being the one who is, in essence, responsible for the creation of Batman, along with Batman being the one who is responsible for the creation of the Joker. Right, and it, it, it all leads up to that point, and, and one of the reasons, not only because it was the first real introduction, like, Batman 89 was my Batman growing up, right? Like, between well, that, well. yeah, between that and Batman Returns, like, it was non-stop viewing i loved them both and you know that that was my bible as far as it was concerned because you know we were we were too poor for me to go out and get a bunch of comics every week if i was lucky maybe i could you know rifle through and find something at the library or something and you know check it out and whatever but the 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 part of that where where Burton leads into right you have the shadowy figure stepping out you have the the robbery taking place because you also have the Joker's uh you know you are my number one a guy um I don't remember what was his name Bob is that what it was uh you know Joker's main henchman that yeah, he has right so there there's the younger version of him there too in the flashback and as the flashback is playing out you're you're starting to put the pieces together right and but it it's not until that point right oh that that's the reason where where it all clicked together because when when Bruce confronts Joker in Vicky Vale's apartment and he's like breaking the statues and he's like, you want to go nuts? Let's go nuts. Right. And all of that. And then Joker cocks the gun and he's like, let me ask you something. You have a dance with the devil in the pale moonlight. And Bruce goes, what? And he's like, oh, it's something that that I ask of all of my prey. That's the moment that Bruce puts it together, right? But the audience still doesn't at that point. And so he's sitting at the TV monitors. He's got the book of his parents' murder because, yes, he likes to torture himself and, you know, keep that kind of stuff around. But the murder was never solved. The guy's still out there. And now he was just in Vicki Vale's apartment and he gets confronted with the guy who he now realizes, man, this guy's looked really familiar, but I can't put it together. And he says the line, and now the flashback comes in, right? And we see this guy emerge from the shadows who kind of looks like Jack Nicholson. And then we see his buddy who kind of looks like a younger version of this Bob character. And you're like, well, could that be? Could that be? Right? And then the whole the scene plays out. And again, he he cocks the gun. And, you know, you have a dance with the devil in the pale moonlight. But then you hear from the background, come on, Jack, we got to go, right? And it's that confirmation, that one line, right, that that's all you're, you're, you're finally given to explicitly say, yes, this is the same guy, right? Now you look at this and, and okay. I love this movie as much as the next guy, okay? Mm -hmm. Amazing movie. But everything you just described makes Batman seem like a fucking idiot. This guy <laughs> is supposed to be the greatest detective World's on the face detective. planet, and you've got to be just smacked in the fucking face with it for him to mm -hmm. get it. Mm -hmm. I mean, Christian Bale wouldn't have took that shit. He'd have been out on the street beating the fuck out of everyone. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. And that's, I, mean, I guess it's a different approach, right? Christian Bale's Batman wasn't really about being the greatest detective. Um, he was vengeance. He, he was the knight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, but he sure as in the hell would have gotten to that answer uh, with his methods a lot faster. Yeah, the, I mean, the, the closest that we have ever gotten on the big screen, um, it, to me, it, and I, I would say arguably, but honestly, I, I can't even argue with it. Like, it, it's pretty much fact. And the saddest part is, Batfleck is the closest that we ever got to having a, an on-screen detective, right? Like, even though he was also just flat up a murderer too, which is a different topic to get into. But you know, the, the, the DC universe, whether it has been with any of the standalone series or with the, the failed attempt at the, the full extended universe, uh, have never, have never embraced that side of Batman to any extent because why would they, right? Like, they need Batman to be an action hero. They don't need him to be a detective, right? You're not... That's not the point of being a summer blockbuster movie is to see Batman going around, you know, taking blood samples and running DNA and sweeping for fingerprints, right? Like, it, it just doesn't put butts in the seat. Okay. First, Affleck is the bomb. Okay? I'm, I'm, away, right I'm not... I am not dissing the bad fleck. I am... Apple, that, that is not meant to be derogatory in any way. ...has been angling for the job since Jersey Girl, and I'm glad he finally got it. Yep. Yep. Nope. We've been over that. We've been over that, and you know... Yeah, I got I got no problem with the Batfleck. All I'm saying is I I, I agree with you. Um, it it seems rather ridiculous to me that um, that Jack Napier would continue to be a central figure in the the mob of Gotham City. For let, let's even just say on the young side, for twenty years. Like, even if Bruce is just playing off being 30 and, you know, his parents were shot when he was 10, he's now 30, right? And he's just putting these pieces together. I totally agree, right? Because they also make, they make it very apparent that Jack Napier is no stranger to the police force in the city, right? He's paying off the cops to keep their illegal deeds underground and not worry about it, right? And what what has Bruce been doing all this time, right? And and that goes back to a part of the the fundamental issue that you brought up of you know it. None of these are really origin stories as much as they are origin flashbacks, right? Exactly. Like, because. The I guess the closest that you would get, other than having to sit through what was it six seasons of Gotham, um, to see you know what goes on with an adolescent Bruce Wayne, you know that's a part of the problem, right? Like, who wants to see, you know, some ten year old kid go through his dorky teenage you know years and and you know, wear the ski masks and things like that. And, you know, know, I, you know what the problem with Gotham was? The problem with Gotham was Cobblepot. Mm. Because Mm -hmm. you, you've got him in this thing and you never get to see his transformation into Danny DeVito. (laughs) Because anybody at all playing the penguin from now until eternity uh needs to be transformed into Danny DeVito. 
Oh my God. Would not the, the Christopher Nolan trilogy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Imagine for a second, we could expand that mm-hmm. and add one more movie where we have Danny DeVito reprise his role as the penguin in mm-hmm. that universe. I mean, I'm talking like always sunny in Philadelphia, Danny DeVito, <laughs> you know, uh, disgusting guy gargling wine out of a out of a soda can and and throwing trash. You know, uh, this this is the the penguin that I want. Oh yeah, that sure. movie. I would I would buy a hundred tickets for that movie, <laughs> and then I'd buy a hundred more tickets for my wife. Oh, if only, if only. But no, this is this is a part of the problem, right? And and earlier, when when you were mentioning it about about the origin story, if you will, um, or the origin flashback, right? I I was gonna try and make some sort of snarky quip about you know, well, this is kind of what the equivalent of you know. Tony Stark goes over to the Middle East and he shows off a bomb and it blows up and he gets a bunch of shrapnel. And then, uh, he, you know, he wakes up in the cave. He's got a battery strapped to him. And then, you know, next scene, it cuts to him flying around in, in the Mark V or something, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but the reason that I didn't say it at the time is... You know, while it gets us a part of the way there, it's still that it still doesn't complete the analogy, right? No, this would be more like going back to when, you know, when Stark's parents died, uh, you know, in the car crash when Bucky killed them, right? So you go back in time, Bucky kills Tony. Spoilers. Oh, my gosh. He's got a, a super suit, mm-hmm. you know, right. uh, and and we're just going to forget all of everything in between there that that makes you a person, right? Right, right. Ult- ultimately, though, you know, I mean, that wasn't that wasn't the catalyst that that got him there. Um, <clears throat> And 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 I think that I think we need to get through the next one because then after that we can talk about Batman Begins, which is one of the ones that I feel came came the closest. But okay, so next let's, up, let's jump ahead to 1995. Okay. All right. So so we've had a we've had a one movie reprieve where. We have to say, uh, before we jump on to the next one, mm-hmm. that these uh, this movie or, or a pair of movies, right, um, Batman and Batman Returns, yep. um, some of Tim Burton's best work, mm-hmm. um, and I think mainly because they didn't have Johnny Depp. I would totally agree. I would totally and absolutely agree. And I, I have this strange feeling that um, after 1992, um, where you know I and I don't know if you know this, but regarding doing Batman Returns, the, the Michael Keaton has gone on record as saying the only reason that he did Batman Returns was because he needed the $10 million for some sort of real estate deal that he was doing, and that was the reason why he ended up taking the gig for the sequel and coming back and doing it. But I feel like if Keaton wasn't already on his way off the map, um, because after that, he he basically disappeared for the better part of a decade, right? He just kind of pieced out and was like, yep, I'm going to live my life, right? 
but I feel like there's a, a slight chance that if he hadn't had that motivation to like get out of Hollywood and do that, that he could have been like that Johnny Depp type role for Burton to just keep like reusing over and over in various projects. And it could have been a very different world. I don't know. Just a random thought. See, I feel like Johnny Depp, just like every time Burton comes up with a movie idea, he calls him up and he's like, hey, Johnny, I got this movie idea. And he's like, no, no, I don't want to like be Willy Wonka. And he's like, yeah, but it's going to be all twisted and shit. And he's like, I don't, but Willy Wonka's like, you still got to make up for Crybaby. You know? And then he's like, fuck, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> This episode of Eat a Bag of Dicks is brought to you by, well, us. Hi everybody, it's Ron here. Look, getting a new show up and off the ground is not easy. We don't have any real sponsors at this point, but still doesn't hurt to throw in a little shameless self-promotion. Greg and I have no plan to kid ourselves into turning this stuff into a full-time gig, but there are still costs associated with getting this podcast and the other stuff we're going to do off the ground. Wait. What's that you say, Ron? Other stuff? You bet your sweet ass there's going to be more. But at this point, you can interact with us on most of the different media platforms at Eat a Bag Podcast. You can get a hold of us on Twitter. We have a dedicated subreddit, a Discord, eatabagpodcast.com, or plain old email, eatabagpodcast at gmail.com. And for those of you that are the most generous of all, we've set up a Patreon at patreon.com slash eatabagpodcast to help support the costs of hosting and publishing the show. And the other stuff coming in the future, too, of course. Once again, that's patreon.com slash eatabagpodcast. Thanks again to, well, us for sponsoring our own show. Now, back to it. Well, that, that seems very plausible. Very plausible. <laughs> Okay, so now it's ninety-five. Mm-hmm. You're you're playing your Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. You haven't gotten your N sixty-four yet, right? You're playing your Super Nintendo. And, I wish uh, I, I wish I was as rich as you, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I was still playing my NES, waiting for the sixty-four. But they yeah, decide, they decide to give this another shot, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we get Batman Forever. Yep, the the movie that comes up, because guess what? It turns out that Tim Burton was a little too dark for all of the corporate sponsors, and McDonald's had to pull their whole toy, uh, Happy Meal toy platform that they had planned around this because parents revolted. But this was also, this was the, the movie that started the trend of nipples on the bat suit, didn't it? It sure did, and because... It was because of all of that backlash that Warner decided not to have Tim Burton direct the third film. He would still produce and consult on it, but this is the ushering in of the late but not so great Joel Schumacher, who left us not too long ago, and... Yeah, I still feel like I killed him, but that's just I mean, I don't care how great your career is. Mm-hmm. If you were the guy who made Batman Forever, you, you've got to carry that shame to your grave. And, and I'm even willing to let Batman Forever have a pass. It, as, as many issues as I have with it, uh, Batman and Robin was like deservedly so the nail in the coffin on the Batman uh, movie franchise for a decade uh, and for very good reason. I, I agree. But this one, so this one, right, you get kind of the uh, the book, right? Dad's uh, journal. Um, which I think featured a little more prominently in uh, Gotham. Oh, that, uh, 
Yeah, the journal. Thomas's journal. journal. Yeah. And you kind of start out the story now in reverse order with him finding the cave. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of the first thing you get. He falls into the cave, and again, he cries like a little bitch because that's what Bruce Wayne does. <laughs> in this one, you get the one giant man bat swooping at him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and this uh, terrifies him more, and even grown-ass Bruce Wayne has to shed a little tear thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, you know, that's just, that's Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne well, is the same. And, and without, without that, you know, that manly facade breaking down and having having him tear up like that, you're never going to get a killer ballad anthem from Seal to be (laughs) the headlining song coming out of this movie. Do you remember how big Kiss from a Rose was? I have tried so hard to forget. Uh, it, it, It is... It is one of those things, like, you know, hearing Chumbawamba or hearing virtually, like, any song off of Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill that, like, no matter what, you know, there are several, uh, um, ah, what, what, TLC, uh, Waterfalls. Waterfalls by TLC, right? There was this peak in the mid-90s for me, especially, where there are certain things that are triggers that take me back to those, like, certain moments, right? And it was the last real vestige of, like the super pop like played everywhere on every station on MTV on VH1 uh, you know just all over the place kind of superstardom right that really fizzled out at at the end of the 90s and into the early 2000s with the internet and music spreading all over the place and, you know, things kind of like that. But, uh, that song, oh man, it'll always hold a special place in my heart. I gotta say. See, now I look back at that same phase in the nineties and I remember fondly, uh, Metallica, you know, mm-hmm. before game geriatric jokes, uh, <laughs> you know, I remember your slayers and your Pantera and, you know, uh, Kiss from a Rose, that was, uh, you know, I, I think I think Axl Rose was as close as I got to that, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure, um, sure. I get it. I get it. But, like, I knew it because of this movie, right? Um, I also knew it because... At that point, I was really starting to look at the opposite sex in a different way, and it it and, was and like Gilmer, and it confused you a little. Yeah. Like God, damn! I don't know if I can. Uh, you know those dreamy just, eyes and the sexy voice. You know, it's just. It's hard to overcome when he's talking in the whole movie like this. And it doesn't matter if he's Batman or Bruce Wayne, but he's just always going to talk like this. I mean, this this is a man who was so sexy as Batman, they had to put nipples on his suit. So sexy. So sexy. I, that's, and, and you know what? That's all I'm going to say about this movie. And this origin story, because again, uh, we then jump from uh, 10-year-old Bruce crying to 30-year-old Bruce crying, and, and that's it. Mm-hmm, 
-hmm. Now, you're right. We we get into, uh, uh, you know, Batman Begins, right? Well, okay, I mean, okay. Hang on, hang on a second, though. Okay. What you did forget, or or at least chose to uh, omit, is that, <laughs> is that Batman Forever didn't give us just one origin, though. We had to suffer through another origin in Batman Forever. We, uh, we did, but... But we're talking about Batman origin. We are. We are. But I think that it, it's worth noting, at least in the, in the pantheon of, of all of the, the movies that we're talking about here, right? Batman Forever is struggling with, number one... Because it's always multiple things with me. Number one, trying to keep some sort of continuity with the Burton films, right? You have a new director, you have a new lead actor, right? You still have the same Alfred, you still have the same Commissioner Gordon, um, but you don't have any of the other previous characters. There's no Vicky Vale. There's no, oh, not to mention you've, you've recast Harvey Dent from a black guy to a white guy. Right. But I mean, you're they're They're running this balancing act. Things that Tommy Lee Jones has done. Um, Two-Face may have been one of his better roles. Um, yeah, yeah, well, hmm. I, I don't know that I, let, let, let me put it this way. Having a Billy D. Williams two-face standing next to Jim Carrey's Riddler <laughs> would, would have never worked, Right. Like I love me some Billy D, absolutely, and in a Burton-led film, would have been great and would have fit that aesthetic, and and the continuation from Batman '89. But <laughs> no, ne next to Jim Carrey, absolutely not. And and had that been the case, then Batman Forever probably would have been the stake in the franchise instead of waiting to get all the way to, to Batman and Robin. But anyway, you're you're right. We're concentrating on Batman origin stories here. No, but let's let's round that up real quick. How many origins did we get in that? Cause now now I'm getting a little fuzzy on on Batman Forever versus Batman yep. and Robin, where we got what origins. Okay, so in, in Batman Forever, if you want to talk about full-blown backstory origins... Because these were, these were movies that were just overloaded with origin stories. Oh, absolutely, because every time you had to introduce each one of them and, and give their, their background, which... After Batman begins, if we can take a quick segue into into the Dark Knight, but so talking about Batman Forever, you have you have the revisit of Batman's story, right? You don't you don't go through the alley, but you go through the Batcave portion, right? Yep. You have Robin's origin story and the whole background of the circus and. Chris O'Donnell doing his best to, you know, show tears and, and some sort of emotion other than cocky. I um, just want to know how he lifted that ball with 200 sticks of dynamite. <laughs> I want to know how 200 sticks of dynamite fit in there, first off. But mm -hmm. how the hell did he, like, lift that thing out to, to roll it into the, into the ocean? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but anyway... So you've, you've got both Batman and Robin. Uh, you have the full-out Riddler backstory, right? Yeah. And transformation um, 
from working at, at Wayne Enterprises and, and all of that kind of stuff. And then there is, like, because at the beginning, Two-Face is already Two-Face, right? Mm-hmm. But you do have, there. there's the, a brief, like, uh, I, I want to say it was like a, a news thing that was, like, on the TV talking about, you know, Two-Face, formerly known as the you know, the white knight of Gotham or whatever. I don't know what they called him in that movie. Right. But then they show the guy like who had the cup of acid in the, in the courtroom. And it's like, just like one of those most implausible things of like, Oh, so you didn't sneak a knife or a gum, a gun, but somehow you snuck a vial full of acid into the courtroom and you conveniently splashed half of Harvey's face. Like, okay, whatever. So, yeah, so exactly half, right? So technically you have the four. I I'm willing to say three plus just a lip service to like how did we get two face? We'll call it we'll call it three and a quarter. Three and a quarter. Yeah. Three and a quarter. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, so then yeah. yeah, so then you go to Batman and Robin. And you're you're spared anything having to do with Batman. Um, what you get, Mister Freeze? Right. So you, you've got Mister Freeze, Poison Ivy. Yep. And then you've got Batgirl to an extent. Batgirl. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's. Well, let's, well, while we're here, let's, let's just talk about it then. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you got, got, uh, Robin's backstory, Dick Grayson, right? Mm-hmm. And again, this, this is a movie where I have not seen this movie in a long time. Um, and, you and me both. I think anyone who's ever watched it understands why I haven't watched it in a long time. Um, this is, such an implausibly <laughs> stupid backstory. Um, I mean, first off, I, I can't even remember how Two Face got to be like ringleader at this circus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's very obvious that everyone knows who he is while they're sitting here applauding while he's uh, you know uh, doing his thing in the middle because when he goes all nuts, so. Then they're like, Dent, what's going on? And he's like, what? You, like two minutes ago, you were clapping for these trapeze artists. Like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. You, you know, I'm sitting down here uh, screaming into a microphone and, and no one cares. And then all of a sudden you care that that I'm, you know, this psychopath. Like, yep. And, and I don't even know if if they did. Like, honestly, I, I would totally believe that there was no explanation into his character being there at all. Like, it was just like, hey, we're at the circus, and oh, guess what? There there he is now, right? Like, there, there's no explanation. It just happens to be that, of course, Two-Face is there. Cause, because that, that was a perfect encapsulation of mid to late 90s anything was like, it, oh, it just happens. No explanation for it. And I've got to say, this this Two Face, right? His his face, it it looks like it's modeled off of Krang from Mutant Ninja Turtles. I mean, like that's how poorly it's aged. Like he's he's just got these like veins running down the side of his face, and he's all purple and purple and pink, and he he looks like uh, just ridiculous. Um, but that was the aesthetic of the time, I, I guess. Um, and apparently if you get burned by acid, you turn into an alien brain. I, that's what happens to you. Or, uh, you turn into the Joker, you know? (laughs) Um, But that, but that was, you know, the, the shift away from Burton and towards Schumacher, right? Was to, it, it was to skew younger. Right. The the idea was that the calculation 
the miscalculation of Batman Returns being too gothic and too dark was the equivalent of your uh, dorky and, let's be honest, probably pedo uncle, like, putting Ray-Bans on and flipping his hat backwards and being like, yo, homies, what's up? Like, I'm hip with it, right? Like, it was it was debasing itself to the lowest common denominator and, you know, was filled with, you know, neon and rave parties and, like, you know, that's, a, again, a part of where Robin came in, right? Like, he was supposed to be the hip, cool, younger guy doing, uh, you know, karate moves with the laundry. Like, really? Right. Really? Like, do you remember how cringeworthy that scene was? Like, I'm remembering right now how cringeworthy the entire movie was. Absolutely. Yeah. For and, uh, just oh, okay. Sorry. Continue. Continue. No. So okay. So so we then we we establish um, that people have suddenly realized that Two Face is running the show, and. Poor Bruce Wayne is is trying to out himself as Batman, um, you know, to save everyone, but but no one can hear him because everyone is screaming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, Likely story. And you've got, uh, you know, Robin's entire family decides, hey, we can we can stop this guy. Let's go be crazy monkeys on this trapeze and climb around. This is uh, everything we've been training for, guys. This is right. what it all leads up to. So he he heads up to the roof. Uh, Bruce Wayne starts knocking people out, and still no one notices him. You get <laughs> what is probably the single gayest scene of anything Tommy Lee Jones has ever done when he flips that coin and catches it like on his palm, like back on his head, and kind of yep. tilts the camera and laughs. <laughs> uh, that's the worst. <laughs> and that is Schumacher at his finest there, folks. But but then you get this wonderfully implausible scene where, uh, you know, his family is up trying to uh, get, get the ball full of 200 sticks of dynamite. Um, and and Two-Face just takes his Tommy gun and starts shooting up in the air, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and magically, he doesn't hit the dynamite. He doesn't hit yep. any of them. But he does manage to sever the cord. Yep. And and drop all three of them uh, on the ground. And also, uh, his Tommy gun is like neon-colored uh, bullet canister. Well, of course, it's got to match the rest of his uh, aesthetic. <coughs> yeah, he's all like neon pink on one side, so it's got to match. And he's got enough time to jump down the trap door while uh, Robin's entire family is falling to their death. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then Robin comes out of the sewer like a ninja turtle, right? <laughs> with a bomb, with a, with a big, like... Casio clock on the front of it. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it's in the river. I I mean that that what? one I that one I won't blame on just the '90s. That one I will blame on both the '80s and the '90s combined. Like that was such a classic trope. It was. I mean, my God, my God, what an origin story there. Um, pretty great. Still. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, in movies, it's only been shown this once. We we haven't been uh, cursed to watch it over and over and over again. That's true. That's very true. And you do get, then, the, the other origin story uh, in the movie, your Batgirl origin story. Well, that moving to the next movie. Right. Right, moving to I'm sorry, yes, we're moving to the next movie. We get we get our Batgirl origin story. Um 
where it appears to me that Alicia Silverstone is using uh, the same computer that uh, Elle Woods used in Legally Blonde. <laughs> um, but she does manage to figure out the password in what I can only describe as the most ingenious, um, the, the most ingenious detective work that has ever been shown in a Batman movie. Yeah, I. I... She looks at the she looks at the picture. It says love peg. She puts two and two together. It doesn't take her thirty years to get there. Mm-hmm. And uh, access allowed. Mm-hmm. Yep. And because then... leave it up to a one hundred and fifteen year old man to have all of his secrets locked behind a three letter password, and we sit here today. And we wonder why the fucking boomers are so bad at goddamn password management. Like, so, Peg? So, what? No, nobody's ever going to guess Peg. Are you kidding me? I used a capital P. Like, oh, for fu- just, uh, just post all of your fucking bank accounts and routing numbers to the dark web and just get it over with. Like, seriously. Well, and then we're supposed to believe that this Alfred, who has uh, the the technical capability of my grandma, right, um, managed to and, upload well, his... Well, in con- my case, it would be my great-grandma, but yeah. He's managed to upload his consciousness and create an artificial intelligence to to tell her all of Batman and Robin's secrets. Yep, exactly. Well, because we know, we know from precedent that if he was there in person and if he wasn't stuck in bed with this seemingly incurable, but, oh, it just happens to be the same thing that Mr. Freeze's wife has, disease, uh, that he would just do it himself. Because that's what he does. He just lets the the women in Bruce Wayne's life know all the secrets. I mean, it's true. He just walks them right into the Batcave. Right into the Batcave. Seriously. Speaking ah. of the Batcave, we do get uh, in in this uh, very brief origin. Um, we, we get the the Batgirl costume, uh, which starts out with a nice close-up shot on uh, the Batcave. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then, after showing off the heels, moves on to the Bat-ass zipper. Mm-hmm. And then you learn that this movie has gone so far uh, that Uncle Alfred got all freaky-deaky and decided to put nipples on the Batgirl costume. Well... Sort of put nipples on the bat co- Batgirl costume, right? Those, like those are nipples attached to a bat push-up bra. <laughs> okay, all right. I I I mean, yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. For anybody that wants to check it out, I I suggest that you do. It's. It, it's very it's very interesting to me how explicit the male nipples on Batman and Robin both were. Um, and with Batgirl, it, it there were there was still some sort of attempt to make it um. I don't know it as minimally sexualized as possible. I don't, I don't know how I can say, I don't know how I can say those words when, when this movie contains so many shots of zip, 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 zip. And it was like chest with nipples, ass legs that are ripped 
full six pack in the mid range. Like everything about this was so hypersexualized that, like, I, I, I don't know. Okay, they just they granted they may not be as completely explicit as Batman or Robin's bat nipples, right. um, but it's definitely cold in the Batcave. Mr. Wharf, fire. <laughs> <laughs> 